0: At participating Napa Auto Parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends ten thirty one seventeen. 17
1: Welcome to another episode of Locked On Bowls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Sean Hyken of The Athletic. With me, as always, Cody Westerland of 670 The Score. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Audioboom, TuneIn, Google Play, anywhere else that you can find podcasts. Make sure you subscribe, leave a review, tell your friends to subscribe, and check out the other podcasts in the Locked On Podcast Network as well for your favorite NBA or NFL team. If your company is interested in advertising to men between the ages of 18 and 54, then your company should be advertised right here on our show. Our audience is 95% male and 78% of our audience is between the ages of 18 and 44. Recent surveys have shown that podcast listeners are 65% more willing to consider purchasing products they learned about from podcasts. And 60% given equal price and quality prefer to purchase from companies that advertise in their favorite podcasts. Our rates are very e- reasonable. So if you're interested in advertising with us, email us at lockedonbulls at gmail.com. Uh, Cody, the All Star starters get announced tomorrow.
0: That is correct. Thursday evening, TNT, Western Conference, Eastern Conference All Stars announced. And before we do, a Bulls Twitter mailbag, Twitter mailbag, email mailbag. Got K some KQ questions. Bulls questions. People have been Uh, sending us questions.
1: We're sorry we haven't been able to get to a lot of them lately because we've had games and stuff to actually talk about.
0: But before we do that, we did want to get into our hot takes on who the All-Star starters should be for each conference. The Bulls, of course, uh, have Jimmy Butler in the mix and Dwayne Wade in the mix as well. A little bit more of a nod to the veteran and his pedigree and his history and his future Hall of Fame ship if that's a word that I can use or just made up. Just to put this out here, so just, so just, uh,
1: they changed a little bit of the way that the uh, voting is done this year for the starter. The coaches in each conference still pick the reserve of the starter, which used to be entirely voted on by the fans. Basically, the NBA doesn't want Zaza Pachulia to uh, get voted as a starter, so they changed it so that the fan vote accounts for 50% of the starting vote, and the other 50% is divided between fans and media. I did not get a ballot. You did not get a ballot. Several of our colleagues also... Got, did get ballots, but if it was just decided by the front by the uh, fan voting, this is the most recent return that the league sent out last week. The East backcourt would be Kyrie Irving and Dwayne Wade, and then the front court would be LeBron James, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Kevin Love. And then in the West, the backcourt would be Steph Curry and James Harden, and the front court would be Kevin Durant, Zaza Pachulia, and Kawhi Leonard. So. If it was purely off fan voting, the Bulls would have one all-star starter, that's Dwayne Wade, with 514,866 votes as of last week. Jimmy Butler, as of last week, is fifth in Eastern Conference front court voting behind LeBron, Giannis, Love, and Joel
0: Embiid. But here's the thing. Sean and I, we're not into the all-star popularity contest, and the media members voting are probably only into it to a degree. When we pick our all-stars tonight... We're not going to be in the popularity. Well, so here's the thing: we're going to talk when we do ours. We're going to talk about who we think are the most deserving. And yes, that's fine. But, that's what I'm
1: saying. But with that said, purely as an observer of this whole thing, I actively want Zaza to make it as a starter just because of how mad people are about it. You just want to see the chaos. I think it should be about the fans. If the fans want to see Dwayne Wade when he's washed up or Kobe last year when he's done his farewell tour, clearly Kobe, the way he was playing last year, wasn't deserving of an all-star spot. But if that's what the fans want to see, the fans should get to see it There him. might be shenanigans. Voting fraud? I don't know. I mean, I... I don't know. Zaza is not... I mean, obviously, Zaza is not an NBA all-star caliber player, but if he... You know, he's going to be able to tell his kids someday, if he makes it, that he was an NBA all-star. And I think that's cool.
0: Yeah, I'm not worried about Zaza's kids or whatever. But my thing is, last year, can we go back to that for a second? Wasn't he in the lead, like, by a fair margin throughout the first three returns, and then the last returns came, and somehow he wasn't on there anymore? No, he actually made a big jump.
1: I looked it up last week. He was, like, eight in the last round of returns before the thing, and then he jumped oh. up to third by the end. So he
0: made he got a big push by the end, where everybody's like, wait, okay. what? This came out of nowhere. There was something crazy about it in... I do remember that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I like the idea of, for example, last year, Kobe Bryant being the centerpiece of the All-Star Game in his final season. I'm completely fine with Dwayne Wade going to the All-Star Game, starting... It's what the fans whatever. want. Yes. Anybody, if it's if you and say, oh, well, you know... It, it's a showcase. Dwayne, like, Dwayne Wade shouldn't get
1: it, and that means, like, Isaiah Thomas is going to get screwed. Okay, but Isaiah Thomas is probably going to make one of the All-NBA teams at the end of the year, so he's going to get his recognition. Exactly. So, without further ado... Let's start
0: let's start in the west western conference. We probably have most of the same ones. So who are your west guards? I have in the backcourt no brainer Russ Westbrook, James Harden, I believe Russ has 20 triple doubles this year, James Harden 13, no brainer, high usage, running their offenses remarkably well, so much responsibility. In the front court, the top two MVP candidates of the league. So yes. yeah, I, I I have Harden and Russ as my
1: backcourt too. So, yeah. we, we were two for two so far.
0: And look, it's not like it, it's not throwing any shade at Steph Curry. No. he's the two time. There's a lot MVP, of really good but guards, but there there's two guards that are the two guards that are better better. having the, the two guards that are having this the best should.
1: years in the league. they the top two MVP candidates in the league are both West guards and Steph and Russ. They clearly should be the two All Star starters.
0: I have Kawhi Leonard, yes. Kevin Durant. And Anthony Davis as my Western Conference front
1: court. Okay, so you have I, I have two of the same three. I have Let's Kawhi hear. and Durant. I think that's pretty clear cut. Yep, in both great. cases. And then I think I was going back and forth between a few guys for that last. Zaza, star. not Zaza. Zaza. I mean most like deserving, I, most deserving. Right. All stars. I was kind of thinking about I was thinking about Boogie the numbers he's putting up, but yep. Anthony Davis is also putting up incredible numbers. I was thinking about uh Draymond just because of, you know, the overall impact that he has and yeah, you know, he's really had to change his role to make this work. He's still great defensively. I ended up going with Marc Gasol as my last spot. Let's hear why. I I just I mean, I think he's really reinvented his game. He's shooting more threes now. He's diversified his game. Uh Memphis is having a great year which was kind of unexpected with how many injuries they've had. I've been really impressed with the with what Marcus Hall's done. One
0: of the best passing big now, men. In the game, no doubt. He's somehow still underrated. And that's that a team that can't shoot at either. Just like the Bulls can't shoot, the Grizzlies can't shoot. Yeah. And they play at a slow pace, bad field goal percentage. But Anthony, and they're 25-18. and 18, And a pretty big reason is Marcos so, Yeah. And, that makes sense. I, ju- I think Anthony Davis is just, uh, I think he's spectacular. I think he's having a spectacular season. I believe he's second in the NBA in scoring. I know he gets some bumps and bruises here and there when he falls all the time. Um, but he plays the game above the rim, and I understand valuing win- winning um, quite a bit. But I just think the All Star game, who's been the most spectacular, and he's been a little bit better in my mind than Marc Gasol. And uh, I know everyone values many things differently. But the West isn't too complicated. I don't. So think. just because
1: I think we probably have the same three. Uh, what is? What's your East backcourt? Because mine. I mean, it's mine
0: is LeBron, Giannis, and Jimmy Butler. Is that yours? In the front court, East, absolutely. Uh, I don't know that that will be. Jimmy needs a little bump, I think. From well, he'll from get the, he'll get a lot from the media players. I think. Yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, the players' ballots aren't revealed, but it'll be interesting to see if he gets a little bump from them. Too. Did you see what Robin Lopez said today at uh, at practice? Uh, I saw a
1: few things. Which are you specifically? The so one about to? his All Star ballot?
0: Oh, he put himself down for. He all put himself five positions. down for oh. all five positions.
1: We asked him who his his. East guards were, and he said Robin Lopez,
0: and then we were like, he really as guards, like I'm an innovator. I put myself on for all ten spots. Well, he should have put Jimmy down for one because Jimmy is certainly yeah. deserving there. So I'm still taught, I'm still up in the air in the backcourt. Sean and I were having this conversation. I'll There's so many good choices. I've thought about it. I've read a little bit about it today. I was browsing the phone on the red line uh, over here, just trying to figure out who I was going to pick in the backcourt, and I only have one right now: Kyle Lowry. I agree. And by the way, can we talk about how, like, I've polled, I don't want to throw
1: anybody under the bus specifically because they may or may not be making theirs public, but I've talked to a few media colleagues of ours who actually have ballots for the All-Star starters, and they've said who they voted for, like, just kind of conversations among us. Multiple people have put DeRozan instead of Lowry. And I wondered, I'm wondering, Like, am I, am I missing something? Am I crazy? Because I feel like Lowry has clearly been the best player on the Raptors this year.
0: Well, DeRozan's averaging about six or seven more points per game, and he carried them early with that streak of, what, 30-point games just again and again and again. And when I say carry, I'm not saying Kyle Lowry wasn't a huge part of that, but he was the headliner. As right. the Raptors came out of the gate so hot, I mean, they had a better offensive efficiency rating than the Warriors, and they're actually tied still now halfway through the season. And he's been a huge reason for why. And early in the year, they were even better, a little bit better offensively than they were. And, like, he doesn't shoot three-pointers, but his ability to get to the rim, get fouled, and his mid-range is spectacular. So for the, for the old-school people who just, like, points a little more and just people getting buckets, I certainly understand. Yeah, but I, so I,
1: I think, I think pretty clearly if there's going to be a Raptors choice in the starting line, obviously they're both going to make the all-star team, but
0: I think I would, I would put Lowry. So who's your other one? So the other thing on between is Celtics point guard, Isaiah Thomas, or the aforementioned De- DeMar DeRozan. Okay. I, my, my second choice is actually neither one of those. What's your second option
1: here? John Ball.
0: So fill me in. What do you think? What's the, What's the debate?
1: I mean the Wizards. I mean the Wizards were a mess at the start of the season. They've really turned it around. Wall's numbers are great. He's he's just been so consistent. Like he's been healthy finally. He's he's had injury problems his whole career. I just really I just really like the way he's been playing lately, and I, I feel like he should get some props for it.
0: His game's matured certainly, but you're talking about a guy who hasn't been as flashy. Hasn't put up the numbers of an Isaiah Thomas, for example. And Isaiah Thomas, you know, you told me to decide this bit debate on air, and I'm just gonna do it on my own. Isaiah Thomas is my final okay East. Backcourt. The defense hurt Isaiah Thomas a little bit for me. Yeah, but uh, he's been carrying the Celtics offensively a lot of fourth quarters, too. And I just think his transformation this year, I mean, he's taken, like we've talked about Jimmy so much on this podcast, yeah. taking a leap up to an elite level. I don't know that Isaiah Thomas is elite yet because he doesn't play both ways, like you pointed out. But I think he's taking that step up into the next level right below that and is one of the best guards in the NBA. And I think he's uh, he's deserving. He'll fill it up. And that's what he's done all year. And he's come up big in big games uh, for the Celtics. A lot of stuff down the stretch uh, has been great for him. So I'm going to go him over DeRozan. Nothing wrong with DeRozan, but you know what? He's not exactly a lockdown defender either. So if I'm between two guys that aren't lockdown defenders and more of offensive-oriented, I'm going to go with the guy who's just been a little bit better late in games, I think. Yeah, that's, that's reasonable. There's a lot of good choices for that. So your final one is John Wall? Yeah. Is that what you settled on? So. Same, all stars between us for starters. Except I have Isaiah Thomas, you have John Wall, and I have Anthony Davis, and you have Mark Gasol. So we're eight for ten. Yep, and I think I think the uh, I I sure hope the LeBron Giannis Jimmy front court gets locked in. That's yeah. gonna be a fun starting unit if Giannis it, is just, jumping center. It would be great. Cause he plays point guard for the Bucks, and then he'd be de facto center in a game with no positions or anything like that or defense. But uh, it would be good stuff. Did want to get. Uh, to a few of your questions and we appreciate uh, your contributions to the show. You can email us at LockedOnBulls at gmail.com with questions or find us on Twitter at LockedOnBulls or at Hyken or at Cody Westerlin. Matt via email says, should the Bulls start Cristiano Felicio over Robin Lopez so as to give the young players more development? It's an
1: interesting thought and you know, you have kind of seen the Bulls go in that direction. You remember, If you remember John Paxson said on Christmas, we've talked about it a million times yeah. on the show, that he wants to see some of the younger guys. And around then is when Rajon Rondo got benched in favor of Michael Carter-Williams. Uh, since then, Paul Sipser has randomly moved into the starting lineup a couple of times when there have been injuries. I wouldn't be surprised. and I, you, You've seen the way that Hoiberg has been trusting Felicio more down Close. the stretch to yeah. close games then he has Lopez, you know, dep- obviously all matchup dependent. But I wouldn't be surprised. I'm not going to say it's necessarily going to happen, but I wouldn't be surprised. I know the Bulls... He said, should he? Not, do you think he will? What
0: would you do? I would think about it at some point. Okay. Uh, I would not do that right now, so long as you're still... You're, so long as your goal is still the playoffs. Yeah. That's what's in your sight. You do not put the young guy in over the veteran and risk making another veteran upset. Not only that, think about this, though. You make Rajon Rondo upset, you can cut ties with him at the end of this year. Lopez is under contract for a couple more years at a fair price. That contract's pretty movable, though, if they decide yeah. he's not part of their future Yes, claims. but he can also be a part of it, because, I mean, he he does have a good attitude. There's no doubt about that. He's a guy that brings them that toughness that they respect. So I have no problem uh, with what Fred Hoiberg's doing. I would keep starting Robin Lopez... I would keep playing Chris Felicio a lot. I would keep closing with Chris Felicio anytime you're playing a team that likes to put the big man in a pick-and-roll situation because he has better lateral movement than Robin Lopez does. And on nights where you think Chris is playing good basketball, keep closing with him. So I think he's handling that uh, pretty well. I would keep starting Robin Lopez. You know, if you're eliminated from playoff contention, do whatever you want right, right. in the year. Start all the young guys, rest of veterans for two straight weeks. I don't care. But at this point, I would keep starting Robin Lopez, uh, number one Bulls fan. Parentheses twenty one, twenty two. Always updating that record on. Twitter. I I'm so fascinated by the way by the people who do
1: that all the time on Twitter. Like that's a whole separate conversation to have. But like the sub, there's like a whole subset of people on Twitter. It's more in football than it is in basketball who update like their Twitter name. Based on respect what record- to the diehards. No, I really. You see, no, I would respect it the most for a t- for a baseball fan that did that because you have to update that every single day. That's true, but there's some crazy
0: Cubs fans out there. Yeah. that definitely did that. So we'll we'll, of the- we'll get into the psychology of that. But I, I, I shout out to that guy. Uh, he asks, how much importance does Tosh Gibson have on this team? What could the Bulls get back for him in a trade? Once again, February 23rd, I believe, yeah. is the trade deadline. Uh, so a month and five days or so yeah uh, Taj has a I mean he has a he's lot of value important he's the third leading scorer on the team I believe he is an utmost professional provides leadership toughness rebounds well defends well and I mean you can make the case that Taj has been the second best player on the team this year after Jimmy I would agree no I think yeah. it's I think that's absolutely true and it's not so it means should, a lot
1: I would not be opposed to the Bulls trading Taj at the deadline if they feel like they're not going to resign him, which I think is a valid concern. Considering he'll be 31 and he's going to want a lot of money since he's been on an undermarket contract the last few years. So I wouldn't be opposed to them deciding they can get what they can get for him. But if you're not getting, I think a late first is pretty reasonable to ask for Taj. I know he's on an expiring contract, but he's you know very versatile. He is a great team guy. He's can help a lot of teams. I think if you're if you're a team like the Raptors, let's say and you don't want to give up what Atlanta's going to want from Millsap if they decide to put it back on the market. You could go, you know, Jared Sollinger's contract is salary filler and a late first, and I think that probably gets it done.
0: Probably. Terrence Ross is another name, isn't he, on yeah, but there? He's under
1: contract for a few more years. I don't know if that's. I don't know if,
0: that, if the Bulls it, want to
1: keep flexibility. Yeah,
0: no, no, no. I mean, he's not under, what, it's $10 million or so, it looks like. Yeah. $10.5 million. I mean, that's not a huge number. I'm saying, like, if I'm the Bulls, I think I prefer, like you brought up, to get as good of a first-round draft choice as I could get. I would not sell Taj for a second-round draft pick. It would need to be a first-rounder. Obviously, I don't see anyone with a lottery pick doing that because, first of all, they don't need a veteran because they're probably headed for the lottery and not the playoffs. But I think, like you said, a later first-round pick or if you're the Bulls and kind of hope that it lands at 19 or 20, I think that's the upside for that. That's what I'd be aiming for. If I'm the Bulls, if it is a player that is more available, more readily available in teams... Don't want to part with those picks. Like it, we've seen, teams value picks in different ways at various times. Like the Cavs just sell all their picks. These teams in win now mode, stuff like that. But other teams view that right now as a real commodity because of those rookie contracts. But the rookie done. contracts are going up by fifteen or twenty percent at the new but cba But that's still not a whole lot when you're going up twenty percent from two million or something, or four million, or five million, whatever it is. On those first three or four years in their deal, so it's still where kind of the market inefficiency is. I think as the cap is projected to skyrocket to like 103 next year or next summer. Uh, So we have to wait and see how teams value those draft picks. That's a market that sometimes plays out slowly. You got to see the first few trades, and you know, just see who's loose throwing those around. And uh, but if it is a player or something, I mean, it's going to be difficult at times because. Teams that are in win-now mode that want Taj Gibson probably aren't going to be that willing to part with a player of value for the Bulls because that player needs to help them win the championship this year. You know what I'm saying? Right. So that's why player swaps, like we saw with Derrick Rose and Nixon Bulls, like five-player swaps that was Mm -hmm. or four-player whatever, uh, are more likely to happen in the offseason because teams aren't trying to win at the moment. So, draft pick makes sense. I mean, a player like Terrence Ross, I think Taj is worth a little bit more than him because he's been an inconsistent player, but he's still a guy that's young, like age 24 25 there. I think um, salary... With a little bit of potential, maybe a rotation player. Even if it's not necessarily Raptors, I think
1: salary filler that comes off the books and a late first probably gets it done.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, late first is is the goal that uh, they should be shooting for if they do do that. Bulls fan for life. Or Bulls for Life via Twitter asks, why is it so easy for the Cavs and other teams to make trades for the betterment of the team, but it's so hard for the Bulls to do so? Well the Well, first first of all, the
1: Cavs don't really care about their first round picks, so they're just totally willing. Like if they can get like they gave up a first rounder for Kyle Corver, who's 35, that's not a move the Bulls should be making right now. Exactly. So because they're not in a position where like they need one more guy, you know, to really solidify themselves as a the championship favorites. And then the other thing is the Cavs just do all this weird stuff with the uh, salary cap, or like they, they traded Anderson Varejao. They got this trade exception, so they have all these, even though they're over the cap, like they're able to take back salary without giving out salary. And the the Bulls are in kind of a position where they don't really have any big contracts that they could send out. So if they're going to trade for any kind of an impact player, especially you know, with the new salary cap, you know, with guys' contracts being bigger, they have to send out matching money, and it's just not really easy to do that. To
0: let you know. It is not easy for the Cavs to make these trades. It was so difficult for Cavs GM David Griffin to make that trade. Brian Windhorst wrote an excellent piece on ESPN.com about that, how part of Griffin's role is LeBron just says he wants something, and David Griffin has to figure it out when his owner is saying, we can't take on any more money, and the Cavs don't have many draft picks left, and they don't have assets in the t- form of players that they can part with. He was on the phone to two teams, getting that Kyle Korver deal done because they had to move. Who was the other player? Dunleavy. They had, to, they had to move Dunleavy in that deal to another team to open up cap space and all the maneuvering and a roster spot that they ended up wanting because they still need to sign a backup point guard. So all of that was really difficult. And there's no reason for the Bulls to do something that's really difficult and short-sighted in the form of a trade for someone that they don't have championship aspirations this year. You know what I mean? So um, I guess if the question is more pertaining to, like, you'd have to tell me a year that it pertains to. Because last year we knew they were a middling team as well. And even if they had made it, we knew they were going to be a 7 or 8 seed. It didn't make sense last year. So maybe two years ago in the last year, the Tibbs era? like They've always been a pretty conservative front office in terms of making moves in the season. Yeah, exactly. So um, I do understand. I think the question in that case is more just directed... At why don't the Bulls make more trades? And the question is, they need to get a foundation, I think, right. to contend better for a championship um, before they make trades like that that you might be referencing. And I know they were competitors or, or contenders. That was their idea in the in the Thibodeau era. But Derek Rose was also injured several of those seasons, making it moot to do some of that stuff right. uh, as well. So I think that would be part of it. Um, Andrew, via email... Uh, has has a few thoughts and then wants to know our thoughts. He says, uh, Jimmy Butler, uh, who I believe just turned 27 recently, or Jimmy, I think it's 27. Uh, I believe Jimmy Butler's age 29 to 33 seasons will be his best at age 34 and 35. Teams often, or excuse me, players often start to decline and not be what they once were. If I'm the Bulls, I'd take the next few years to find pieces to fit around Jimmy Butler as LeBron finishes off his prime and ages a bit. Then your goal can be to win the East when Jimmy Butler is in his prime with good fits around him as LeBron's toward the end of his career. So his point is the Bulls can be contenders in age 29 through 33, sometime in that time frame, contenders to win the East, maybe be in the NBA title, with Jimmy as their centerpiece if they get it figured out with players around him. Your thoughts on that, Sean? I think that sounds great. They just got to do it now.
1: Yeah, they. If that's the thing. I mean, yeah, that's very easy to say, and I think – He is absolutely correct that, you know, it's going to be another couple of years before LeBron starts to decline. The East becomes not necessarily just a one-team race the way it has been. The East becomes winnable. Right, exactly. The East is like, because even Toronto is really good. Nobody thinks Toronto is going to beat the Cavs in the conference finals. Like, we know the Cavs are going to the finals unless LeBron gets injured. But so, like, yeah, but the thing is the Bulls need more out of their other young guys. Like, outside of Jimmy Butler, obviously we know how great Jimmy Butler is. We know that he's a franchise player. He's a guy they're building around for the foreseeable future. Out of the other young guys on their roster, you know, Denzel Valentine, Bobby Portis, Chris Felicio, uh, Jerry and Grant, Michael Carter-Williams, any of these guys, which one of those guys are you looking at and saying, this guy is definitely going to be a long-term building block, somebody we're going to build around for the future? Define building block. Block. I mean, which guy can you definitely say, this guy is definitely a rotation player on a good team, this is definitely like a core piece that we need to hold on to
0: at all costs? Because I feel like none of those guys are. Uh, I... I'm right there, Chris Felicio. He's the first big man off the bench on a contender. Chris Felicio is the closest
1: thing, and he. But he's also not a guy that, uh, you know, he's a guy who's going to come in and play defense and rebound. He's not like a guy that you're going to say, okay, this is going to be like one of our big offensive, you know, centerpieces. They don't you're have great. Any...
0: If Chris Felicio is my eighth man, exactly. <laughs> right. No, absolutely. And I have, uh, what should I say, adept number two, three, four, five, like high level guys. there. Yeah. Like I can win a championship or contend with those sure guys. Knows. Because um, Chris Felicio actually is the Bulls, like, eighth man. Now it's just, like, two through seven that's kind of the problem. You know what I mean? Um. So, no, I mean, he, I think Andrew's point is, like, kind of should the Bulls focus on, like, this three-year plan. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Instead of, like, contending now, instead of caring about the now, instead of caring about next year, like, care about when Jimmy Butler's 29-30. Care about how good the team can be that season. Because there's no use just running your head into the brick wall that is LeBron again. And I like that idea. Uh, I just think you have to find a way to get a two and a three. Like, elite guys, a a good number two. You know what I mean? And I don't see that right now. And I don't see the path to that player right now either. Uh, And it's difficult. So we can talk free agency, and we will later. Maybe a guy like that in free agency. Uh, comes along and you can can consign him to be a real good number two or three and then maybe you get another break of the next year in free agency or maybe someone I don't know you know surprises and somehow you flip a draft pick or hit and get lucky again on a draft pick but uh, I like the idea I think it would be uh, smarter to take that three-year time frame look than the immediate now uh, which they've been doing so good question like it it's more difficult than you think but uh, definitely agree with the sentiment there we'll wrap it up with Dan's question via email. He says the Bulls have seven back-to-backs left this season. Should Dwayne Wade play in the game that has bigger implications in those back-to-backs, or should he continue to play the first game and then rest the second one, which he's been doing often on these back-to-backs lately? For example, the Bulls have a back-to-back against the Magic and Hawks coming up. The Magic on the first night, the Hawks on the second one. Theoretically, doesn't it make more sense for D-Wade to play against the better team and count on the Bulls to take care of business against the worst team? What I would say to that is that we're less than 24 hours removed from the Bulls losing to the
1: Dallas Mavericks, so you can't really count on them to take care of business against anybody. I think
0: it only matters, but... Dwayne Wade is going to decide which games Dwayne Wade plays in. Yes. So this question isn't even directed at the Bulls. It's directed at, hey D-Wade, What do you think of this, basically? Right. Because the Bulls are doing what his body kind of tells him to do, what he's feeling, and they've basically acquiesced with uh, all that. And it's been – I I thought it has worked. Like, I talked about, like, he doesn't need to be playing back-to-backs, and he really hasn't the last couple. So, um, should rest. I would say this, though. I'll wrap it up with this. Like, the Bulls need to worry about just getting wins, Ws, no matter what fashion. So, if you can get a W – on the road against Orlando with a rested Dwayne Wade, and he has to play 35 minutes to help get it, and then you got to come back and play Atlanta the next night. Like, worry about the Atlanta game after you have a win against the Magic. Because, look, the Bulls are blowing games against teams that aren't very good. So they just need to get Ws. It doesn't matter against who. We already know they can basically lose to the worst team in the NBA. They lost to the Mavericks twice this year. So, uh... I, wouldn't, I, I, I understand it, but I wouldn't worry about that. That's not the approach I would take. I would take the how's Dwayne feeling approach and let's do everything we can to win this game on this night. Now, maybe if it's the last week or two of the season and you're still 100% dedicated to resting him in a back-to-back, maybe then, not now though. Just try to win games, whatever fashion it is.
1: Right, they haven't banked enough wins to really be able to pick and choose which ones uh,
0: they try and which ones they don't. Certainly agree with that. And uh, we certainly appreciate your questions uh, as well to Lockdown Bulls, I believe we're planning on a Thursday evening podcast as well after the All Star starters get announced. Yeah, so we'll uh, we'll throw in a couple other questions that we didn't get to today. Maybe ask for a few more. So keep them coming. Definitely appreciate it. The Bulls. Uh, anything important happen at practice? Sean Taj Gibson's resting his ankle Hopefully playing Friday night the Bulls think against the Hawks, correct? Word is that he's fine. Other than Paul that, Zips are favored in the charity ping pong tournament tonight. We'll find out tomorrow who won. Ooh, 3-hour charity yeah. ping pong tournament. So it's kind of like the survivor, you know, Absolutely. like who can who can hang in there the longest. I wonder if anybody has their own ping pong jersey cuz I was
1: I I go to Summer League every year in Las Vegas. Make those? Uh some people make them. Daryl Morey, the GM of the Rockets, he has a hosts- he hosts a ping pong tournament that's a charity fundraiser every year. I've gone to it a couple of times. Is it like a basketball jersey, like a
0: dry fit? Is it? No, no, I no. Know? He has
1: a shirt that says "I have a picture of it on my phone that says D. Mori USA' on the back that he wears while he's playing in the ping pong tournament." That's that's fantastic. Um, I don't
0: know if the Bulls got that involved, but we'll have to follow up and uh, see we'll find later. out tomorrow at practice. Uh, but as always, uh, thanks for listening. You can uh, follow the podcast. We got a Facebook page for Lockdown Bulls. Follow it on Twitter at Locked Myself at Cody Westerlyn. Follow Sean at Hyken. Email us at bowls at gmail.com. Most of
1: all, please do subscribe. That's right. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Audio Boom, TuneIn, Google Play. Anywhere that you can find podcasts, make sure you leave us a five star review. Check out the other podcasts in the Locked On Podcast Network as well Locked on NBA, Locked on NFL, Locked on Fantasy Football, Locked on Fantasy Basketball. All 30 NBA teams, all 32 NFL teams, whatever your favorite team is in those sports, they have a Locked On podcast for you. So we will be back with you tomorrow night. Thanks for listening.